Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. All right, and we are with you until midnight. A lot to get into. So I want to get into this from a Celtics perspective here. How many teams in the Eastern Conference would you say unequivocally would beat the Celtics at a playoff series? For example, how many teams are you saying the Celtics have no chance of beating that team at a series? Because when I look at the Eastern Conference right now, it is deeper than it's been really in years. I mean, it's been so many years where it was like LeBron James's team and nobody else. It was the Heat for all those years, that it was the Cavs, and I know the Celtics made a couple of conference finals, but it was basically the Heat, and then it was the Cavs, and since then we've had Toronto for a year, and then Milwaukee's kind of been the big team in the East as of late. I know Miami made it to the NBA Finals a couple of years ago, but you don't have that overwhelming death star that we've been used to with LeBron and Kyrie and Kevin Love and then LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. You really don't have that team in the Eastern Conference right now. Yes, there's more good teams, but from a Celtics perspective right now, they have the best defense in the Eastern Conference. They have the best net rating in the Eastern Conference. And naturally, they have the best point differential in the Eastern Conference, right? So if you look at the Celtics right now, they're in that sixth spot. And if you look in terms of the rest of the teams, in terms of the standings, the number one seed right now, as of today, and it may not work out this way, is the Chicago Bulls. And the Chicago Bulls are a team that they're dealing with a lot of injuries. Zach Levine has an issue right now going for a second opinion. Who knows what the hell is going to be the health status of him down the stretch of the season. And two other things that would concern me if I was a Bulls fan, which I'm not, so they're not going to concern me. But two other things I'd say in terms of why the Celtics should feel confident going into a potential series against Chicago. The first one is DeMar DeRozan is one of the worst playoff players, if you will, of this generation. He is absolutely atrocious in the postseason. Remember, that's why Toronto said, let's get rid of DeMar and let's bring in Kawhi Leonard. Because DeMar DeRozan, every time he gets into the postseason, he sucks. He shoots 41% from the field in the postseason. Absolutely horrible. Now, he's having one of the best seasons in the NBA this year. 
and he's had a tremendous season. But DeMar DeRozan in the postseason, this is a thing. He hasn't been good. Okay, the other thing I mentioned as it pertains to Chicago. So three reasons for Chicago to be concerned. First, health of Zach Levine. Second, DeMar DeRozan in the postseason, who's been their best player. And maybe more importantly than all that, their defense blows. They have a 111.4 defensive rating. That ranks 21st in the NBA, right below the New Orleans Pelicans and right in front of the Washington Wizards. So they're one of the worst defenses in the league, and they'll be the worst playoff defense in the Eastern Conference, depending on how the bottom of the group works out. But Chicago doesn't seem like this immovable object or this unbelievable juggernaut or anything along those lines. They're definitely not an immovable object. I don't know why I use that terminology, because they can't stop anybody. All right, some of the other teams in the East. Cleveland, well, I'm sorry, they don't have any wing defenders. They get Isaac Okoro, who's a rookie. Other than that, they have no wing defenders. Or, excuse me, he's in his second year. They have no wing defenders. How are you going to cover Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? Now, you can say, okay, they get the bigs and all that. But it just seems like that would be a really bad matchup for Cleveland if you had to play the Celtics. Because the thing that you desperately need right now, wing defenders. And I know they traded for Karis LeVert. That guy's paper mache on defense. He can't defend anybody. Not to mention he's an inefficient offense player. I don't like the player. But anyway, getting back to the original point, I understand why they made the move. But they don't have wing defenders, which is the most important thing you need against the Celtics are wing defenders. The Cavaliers don't have any of them. All right, let's look at Philly, who the Celtics, of course, mopped the floor with last night. I understand they didn't have James Harden. But one of the things I mentioned with James Harden, are we sure this is going to be like this unreal pairing with him and Embiid? Let's remember that James Harden has now quit on two teams in less than a year. The guy sort of has some character flaws. His team was playing in Utah, and he was in Vegas. He showed up to a game, or Sacramento, wherever it was. He showed up to a game at halftime this year. I would also mention this with James Harden. He can't finish anymore. He's shooting 54.4% in the restricted area at the rim. He used to be an exceptional finisher. Even going back to last year in Houston, he was at 67%. Okay, like Jalen Brown shooting 73% in the restricted area. So almost 20% better. Than James Harden. So his finishing has been a massive issue. And offensively, he's used to having a role man as a big guy, right? He's used to Clint Capella. Embiid ain't rolling to the basket. That's not how he plays. Embiid wants to post up. And when James Harden had Dwight Howard a long time ago, he had issues with Dwight Howard posting up. So I don't know if the offensive fit works. And secondarily, it's going to be a really bad matchup for the 76ers defensively. We saw it last night. Tatum and Brown were just walking into open jump shots with a high pick and roll because they play drop coverage. And here's another thing. James Harden, wherever he is, you have to play a switching defense because he doesn't want to give any effort defensively. He can't get over screens, so he's got to switch everything. You can't play a switching defense with Embiid. They play a drop coverage there where if it's a pick and roll, Embiid's just going to drop. That's how they have to play. So it just doesn't feel like that's a good fit between Embiid and Harden on the defensive side. Look, now, it may all work out in the long run, right? Like, all of a sudden, James Harden's motivated. He gets into better shape, whatever. But there are certainly question marks about this team, not to mention that the two-man game between Curry and Embiid had been devastating this season. Curry was shooting one – or Curry, I should say, was averaging 1.3 points per possession – on handoffs. He was getting those from Embiid, 62% from the field. He had an effective field goal percentage of 69.6. Now, I understand the idea. If you're going to get James Harden, you get James Harden. But I just wouldn't all of a sudden say this Philadelphia thing is going to work. Oh, and maybe the biggest thing I forgot. 
You have the biggest playoff choke artist of our generation and James Harden. This guy blows every playoff lead. And you have the biggest playoff choking coach of our lifetime in Doc Rivers. He's blown more 3-1 leads and 3-2 and leads than any coach in NBA history. So you pair those guys up together. What could possibly go wrong? Okay, so that's why you'd be concerned about Philly. Brooklyn, I mean, those concerns are obvious. Who the hell knows what's going to happen with Ben Simmons? So now he's in a due destination. That means he's good to go. They don't have Joe Harris. In all likelihood, they won't have him for the rest of the season. He's going to have to. It, all the reporting is he needs another procedure on his ankle, which sucks for the guy. I feel bad for him. But anyway, Durant's coming back from injury. I'm not concerned about Durant. Whenever he's on the floor, he plays well. And he comes back from all these injuries. Although I would say that maybe Nash should play him a couple less minutes. And then there's Kyrie. Kyrie, if you have a playoff series against Kyrie, say if Brooklyn, now Brooklyn's definitely not going to have home court advantage, but Brooklyn could be in a position where Kyrie's missing for three of the games. He could legitimately, unless something changes, he could miss three of the games. And how about this? If Brooklyn plays Toronto in a potential playoff series, he would miss every game of the series because he can't play in Canada. So Brooklyn certainly has questions. Atlanta, we saw them a couple of days ago, and I know they didn't have John Collins. But that team, and I get it, they made it to the conference finals last year. You know where they rank in defensive efficiency this year? 27th. That team is horrible on the defensive side. And the Celtics have a lot of guys they can throw at Trey Young. We saw it the other day. You can throw Smart at him. You can throw Derek White at him. Heck, if you really want to, you can throw Jalen Brown at him, put some additional size on him. So Atlanta's a team that has definitely got issues. Charlotte has been a dumpster fire. And Matt Durant, who's producing. What was that number you gave me earlier about Charlotte, how they're in free fall? Complete free fall. I only liked it because it related to the Lakers in my mind, but three and <laughs> three and ten in their last thirteen games. Meanwhile, the the Lakers part that I really enjoyed, they're five and ten in their last fifteen. So if that if you really want to relate the two teams in some way, they're both just free falling. And by the way, Anthony Davis is going off the court for them right now, limping. Shocked. Yeah. What, what day is it? Who goes <laughs> who goes down more? Anthony Davis or Embiid? Well, who goes down with a real injury or who goes down? No, no, who just goes down? Like every, I, I think Embiid. He I, hits the floor so much, man. Oh my God. I mean, I I didn't see prime Shaq, I wouldn't say, or at least my brain didn't retain it, but I just remember him in his old age falling over all the time, and that's Embiid's getting close to that. A D goes down, there's legit concern. Yeah, and it, this does not look good, by the way. And Shaq, he used to at the end of his career, like he couldn't stop. You know what I mean? He got so big when he was with the Celtics, he couldn't stop. He I, he was okay for a year. I mean, not to say he was good, but he was better than I thought he would be when he arrived here. Okay, so Charlotte has questions, as Matt just alluded to. Atlanta has questions. Toronto's playing really well right now. Siakam's playing at a high level. Van Fleet is an all-star this season. Ananobi is tough defensively. They have one of the better coaches in the NBA, Nick Nurse. But do they have the star power that the Celtics have with the two wings? Maybe close to it, but I would say it's not like Toronto would definitely beat the Celtics. I would not want to see Toronto in the playoffs. I'll say that because they're well coached. They play well defensively. Now, they have no size. Like It it would be amazing if they actually played Cleveland because Cleveland plays all these bigs and Toronto plays no bigs whatsoever. They just go with the small ball lineup. But Toronto's a really good team defensively. But it's not like you'd say unequivocally they beat the Celtics. No chance. Then you look at a team like we already got to Cleveland. All right, so then we get to the other top three teams. These are the two teams that I would say right now be awfully difficult to see the Celtics beating these teams. The first one would be Miami, just because it seems like they're sort of the Celtics but older. They have Lowry, who, of course, is a really good defender. His numbers are down, but he's a really good defender. Butler's an excellent defender. Bam's an excellent defender. And I know Duncan Robinson, he's only shooting, I believe, like 36% from three this season, but you know he's a shooter. Tyler Hero has been really good up the bench for them this season. I just feel like that's a team that's a little bit older, 
a little bit wiser than the Celtics. And Butler, we all know when he gets into the playoffs, despite the fact that he can't shoot threes anymore, when he gets into the playoffs, he's just been a devastating matchup. And we saw it against the Celtics. The other team is the reigning defending champs, Milwaukee. I just, I don't know how you defend Giannis. I mean, the way that Giannis went from the Milwaukee series last year against Brooklyn, it felt like uh, this is bad for Giannis. He did not look good for the majority of that series. And then he wakes up against Atlanta, and then he went to, like, a different level against Phoenix. He went to a totally different level. And how about this on Giannis? So I was thinking about this this morning. So I did some research on this. Giannis right now has two MVPs. He has a finals MVP, and he has a defensive player of the year. The only And the only thing that he doesn't have yet is a scoring title, which is... Last night, he paid 50, so he passed Embiid. It's neck and neck between Embiid and Giannis. The only player in NBA history to win a Defensive Player of the Year, to win a Finals MVP, to win a regular season MVP, and of course he won multiple, and a scoring title is Michael Jordan. The only guy to ever do that. Now, the only other guy to win a Defensive Player of the Year and a scoring title right now is David Robinson. That's the only other guy. Now, David Robinson never won a Finals MVP, though. He won a regular season MVP, he won a Defensive Player of the Year, he won a scoring title. He never won a Finals MVP. 99 Duncan was the Finals MVP. So when you look at it from that perspective, pretty rare territory that Giannis is entering. But even like Milwaukee, great team. Uh, it, obviously, they'd be favored over the Celtics without question. But Milwaukee, not the same team they were a year ago because of the Brooke Lopez injury. They go out and they sign a guy like Serge Ibaka. And we'll see if they, they are hopeful that Lopez is going to come back. But they bring in Serge Ibaka, who he has looked creaky this season. He looks old. He's coming off back surgery. He's only playing 15 minutes a game prior to the trade. And you look at the difference with Brooke Lopez. He was one of the best rim protectors in the NBA over the past couple of seasons. And the Bucks have no punch off the bench. They're 29th in bench scoring. Not that the Celtics are much better. But if you look at Milwaukee compared to last year, their defense, not the same. Ninth in defense. In terms of, uh, they actually could have gone up slightly over the past couple of days because they've had a couple of, no, they've actually gone down. They're now 12th in defense, so they're actually going down since the trading deadline. But if you look at it in terms of, they were really good at protecting the paint. Last year, they were third in terms of opponent's field goal percentage in the restricted area at 61.3%. This year, they're 14th at 64.8%. So you can score on them easier. Now, the difference this year compared to last year is Giannis is just a way better player. He went to a different spot in the NBA Finals last year, unequivocally, no doubt about it. So in terms of the Eastern Conference, I just ran through it. I don't see any of these teams where it's like, this is an overwhelming favorite. The Celtics have no chance. Like when they played Brooklyn last year, you're like, they have no chance whatsoever with those three guys healthy. But now you look at the landscape of the East, the Celtics have an opportunity, opportunity to knock off any of those teams. And most of the teams besides Miami and Milwaukee, I would favor the Celtics in those series. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. A lot more to get into. Oh, including this. I want to get into what exactly is going on with the Patriots coaching staff and why Bill Belichick should take a page out of Sean McVay's book. We'll do that next here on EEI. The Greg Hill Show, weekdays 6 to 10. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. All right, trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Well, the Seas fell to the Pistons tonight, 112-111. to That snapped a nine-game winning streak for your Celtics. Jason Tatum had an opportunity late, 
ended up missing a jump shot. So Detroit, of course, went home with the win. Tatum on the night, 22 points, five assists, just four rebounds. And the Pistons had 18 offensive rebounds in this game compared to the Celtics, who had just two. Jalen Brown had a game-high 31 points in the loss. Jeremy Grant led Detroit with 24. The rookie, Cade Cunningham, 20 points, eight rebounds, and six assists. The season now off for the All-Star break. They return to the court on February 24th in Brooklyn for a date with the Nets. Jason Tatum, of course, participating in that All-Star weekend. He'll play for Team LeBron on Sunday night. By the way, just a complete digression on the All-Star game. They made the worst part of All-Star weekend worse. They had that dumbass skills competition that is horrible. Now they're doing it with three guys like the Giannis... All Giannis's brothers are doing it together. I, this is going to be the worst. I, I don't know. It was a bad event. I, I would rather watch that old event they used to have where it was current NBA star, old NBA star, and a WNBA player, like that shooting contest, than the freaking skills competition. And they found, somehow, they found a way to make the skills competition worse. I didn't think it could happen. The Bees have the night off. They'll visit the Islanders Thursday. The Black and Gold picked up a point last night in a 2-1 shootout loss to the Rangers. That shootout took forever. What to go, eight guys deep? I mean, that was ridiculous. Baseball, Juan Soto says he passed on a 13-year, $350 million contract extension from the Nationals prior to the lockout. It must be nice. Soto is not eligible to become a free agent until after the 2024 season. I love Soto, man. That guy literally swings at no pitches out of the zone. Not literally, but almost. Best play discipline in the entire league. And he pimps takes. He, like, does... He stares back at the pitcher, and he pimps when he has these takes that are, like, right off the plate. I love that guy. And by the way, despite flirting with the Vikings, Jim Harbaugh decided to go back to Michigan, of course. And today, he received a new five-year contract that runs through the 2026 season. So if he makes the playoff again, he can get his ass kicked by an SEC team. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All right, welcome back in. So Anthony Davis is from Chris Haynes of TNT. The Athletic as well. I believe The Athletic as well. I know he's a TNT sideline reporter. Oh, Yahoo, sorry. want to get the entity right. He says, Los Angeles star Anthony Davis in agony on the floor, holding his right ankle. Oh, man. Like, can you imagine? And it looks ugly. I mean, that's horrible. I I don't want to speculate in terms of if he broke it or not, but that looked awful. That's one of those roles that, oh, horrible. Sometimes it looks really bad, and it doesn't end up being that horrible. But, I mean, I've had it before. I broke my ankle one time, and I barely rolled it. I'm like, what the hell? But Anthony Davis was in a excruciating pain. But I just look at it from that storyline with that Lakers team that's been a complete dumpster fire. Last week, you had Russell Westbrook, who was dealing with alleged back tightness, said the reason he's getting tightness is he's not used to sitting on the bench for that long. But now you're talking about LeBron James. If Anthony Davis is out a significant amount of time, having to deal with that Lakers situation. I mean, that's a complete dumpster fire right now to begin with. And if you look at the Lakers, they're in the play-in tournament right now. They're ninth in the Western Conference. If they don't have Anthony Davis, like LeBron's having an unreal year. The guy's been phenomenal, especially for his age. But if they don't have Anthony Davis, they may miss out on the play-in tournament. Remember, New Orleans, who right now is sitting right outside that play-in tournament at number 11, they got C.J. McCollum. Now, I'm not advocating for that trade. I don't think that was wise for the long-term future of the Pelicans. I believe they're trying to take shortcuts with Zion there instead of just making draft picks and trying to build around it with the younger players. But anyway, that's beside the point. Right now, and Zion apparently could be out for the year because something is still wrong with that guy. But anyway, they got C.J. McCollum, and they've been playing better since the trade. So they're trying to win. David Griffin, the GM, or whatever his title is there, he's trying to save his job. You could easily see the Lakers falling out. I can't imagine having a postseason without LeBron James. And now you start to think about the L.A. Lakers as one of the most dysfunctional franchises in the NBA. I get they won that AAU tournament in the bubble two years ago. But think about this. You'll basically have three wasted seasons of LeBron in his four-year run there. The first one, he goes down. He doesn't like the team. He wants to get everybody traded. Eventually, he does they get Anthony Davis? Okay, second year, even though, as I alluded to, it was basically like a CYO tournament. They win in the bubble. The third year, he's dealing with an injury. Anthony Davis is dealing with an injury. Davis is dealing with an injury in the postseason. They lose to the Phoenix Suns. This year, they may miss out on the play-in tournament. So you look at LeBron's other runs recently. With Miami, he goes to four straight finals. With Cleveland, who we thought Dan Gilbert, one of the worst owners in the NBA, although he does spend a ton of money, he'll always spend up to the luxury tax. But Dan Gilbert and that Cavaliers team, not saying that Dan Gilbert had anything to do with the team making it, but he did pay the luxury tax every year. They went to the finals four years in a row. LeBron James is going to have three seasons that were basically wasted with the Lakers, and he signed a contract extension. The L.A. Lakers, out of those three teams, were the most dysfunctional of the organizations, and Cleveland was in the mix. Unbelievable. So, yeah, the Celtics lost to the Pistons tonight. The Lakers suck, and Anthony Davis is down. 617-779-7937 is the number. Let's get to Sean in Idaho. What's up, Sean? 
Hello there, Brian. How you doing this evening? Thanks for taking my call. Doing well, Sean. Okay, so before you get to your point, no more World War talk today, okay? Don't worry, buddy. Don't worry about a thing at all. <laughs> all right. Okay. With the Celtics, I, I know. It's it's tough right now. We're all going through a lot. We'll leave it like that. Celtics, you know, I, ugh, I'm i just still frustrated and sick about this loss. I mean, look, I know they've won nine in a row coming into the night, but it just makes me sick when you lose to a team that's not that good like the Pistons. That game should have been won. I don't understand why they could collapse in the last few minutes of the game. That's the problem, though, Brian, as you're talking about NBA talk. One of the things the Celtics got to keep, they're doing better with this, okay? they got to stop blowing those leads, though, because, look, leads are big. When you have a big lead, whatever it is, no matter what the lead is, you got to be able to maintain that big lead. And as far as Major League Baseball goes, Brian, um, they're scheduled to meet tomorrow. But you know what? I am not optimistic about it. Why? It's simple. Because I believe Rob Manfred lied to the country saying, oh, I'm optimist. I'm optimistic that the spring training will not be delayed in the regular season. Come on. They met for less than an hour, okay? (laughs) Nothing happened. I don't expect anything to happen for Major League Baseball tomorrow. I mean, I'm sure you would agree with me. Yeah, it's it's frustrating, Sean. I don't either. And it's just it's getting irritating from both sides of this thing. And I really don't know when it's going to end. But the one thing I will say is this, Sean. Ordinarily, Uh deadlines mean that's when the action happens. But it feels like we're getting pretty close to a damn deadline on if they were going to start the season on time. I think they could miss a week, right, and start the season a week later. But after that, then... Anytime you come to an agreement after a week, like you can't push it back much more than a week. Then we're talking about legitimately missing games. Well, Brian, the one thing we got to understand is too, bud, is that look, I blame this on Rob Manfred and the MLB owners. Okay, the fact is, is that they, are, it seems like they don't even care about the game. Okay, because you got players that are. I feel for the players, and I also feel for the minor leaguers. Minor leaguers are not getting paid, won't get paid, and that comes from the owners and from Rob Manfred. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm scratching my head every day, and I'm saying. Do you even care about the minor leaguers who work so hard and want to make the next step to get into the major leagues? Uh, I mean, think about how the Red Sox have got a great farm system or other teams do. You have to go young. You have to draft. You have to have uh, good minor leaguers to make it work. And all of this is what I'm saying is that I blame this on Manfred and the owners. It's their fault. I expect the proposal to fall through. And (laughs) I've seen people on Twitter tonight saying, oh, you know, let's see if they meet for an hour and nothing happens tomorrow afternoon or less than an hour. I, I don't know. I mean, I have a feeling we could lose most games. I mean, I really want a season to happen. But you know what, Brian? Time is running out for Major League Baseball, bud. It yeah. really is. I'm with you on that, Sean. I appreciate the phone call. His line's open if you want to grab it. It's 617-779-7937. Just real quickly on that. The one thing I'll say as it pertains to Manfred I feel like he is absolutely atrocious in terms of a PR standpoint. I go back to a couple of years ago when you had that scandal with the Astros, and he referred to the World Series trophy as a hunk of metal when he was asked if he was going to ask the Astros to get back the trophy. I mean, you're talking about the trophy's called the commissioner's trophy, and he called it a hunk of metal. I mean, you got to be better than that if you're the commissioner. And as it pertains to both sides, remember, these two sides couldn't, agree on a COVID situation, okay? During a pandemic, when they were finally going to start, their issue they were arguing about was about payment. Not about, like, 
okay, well, we don't want to play because it's the pandemic. No, they agreed that they want to play. But the season continued to get delayed over money. And when the country is in the middle of a pandemic, the last thing we wanted to hear is these two sides bitching about money. Okay, now this is another thing I'll say about Major League Baseball. They have me. I'm a huge fan of Major League Baseball. No matter when the season starts, I'm going to watch every game the Red Sox play unless I have some kind of crazy conflict, which ordinarily I don't have, okay? I I don't have a very busy life, I'll say that. So I don't miss a lot of games. They have me. But I just feel like it's going to be so devastating if they miss time because they have built up so many young stars over the past, I would say, four to five years. You think about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You think about bringing in Otani from... Japan and he's on the Angels and he was the biggest star in the sport this year on the Angels because he pitches and he hits for power. You think about a guy like we mentioned earlier in the trending, Juan Soto. These guys are all over the league right now. Wander Franco. Even here, you think about a guy like Rafael Devers who had an incredible offensive season last year. So I feel like there's so much positive momentum and in big markets like the Dodgers are relevant again. Now, I know they fell apart down the stretch of the season because Scherzer was pitching like every inning in that postseason. But you think about it from their perspective, the team in L.A., the Dodgers, who now they've been relevant for like six years. at a It seems like they're at least in the NLCS every year, not this year, of course. But that team has been relevant in a major market. So from a momentum standpoint, I just don't think you can realistically be in a position where you feel confident that you're going to bring everybody back, right? Because we went through this two years ago with the pandemic. And the one thing I'll allude to, and I'm not saying it's going to happen exactly this way, but after the NHL lockout, it wasn't the same. It wasn't. Now, baseball, after their lockout, I mean, you had the steroid era, so you're able to build back momentum because you had the steroid era. What are you leaning on this time? So I understand the players, and this is the strongest union in sports and all that, but at some point they have got to, and I'm not saying concede everything. I'm just saying at some point these two sides have to agree on something because both of them have to realize there's going to be a certain point, just like what happened during the pandemic, there's going to be a certain point where we as fans of the sport are going to get pissed off at the players as well. We're not just going to be pissed off at the owners because right now that's ordinarily what happens, right? When there is an argument between millionaires and billionaires, we get mad at the billionaires, not the millionaires. But eventually we're going to get to a point where we don't have the beginning of the season and we're going to get pissed at the millionaires as well. So I just feel like from a player's perspective, they got to be really careful about this as well. And I mean, even like last year's playoffs are great because you had a team like the Atlanta Braves who lost their best player in Ronald Acuna Jr. And they win the World Series and they're going to get that guy back. There's so many good storylines in baseball right now. You cannot afford to miss a season. Not to mention, Wander Franco just signs that extension. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. David in Florida. David, what's up, man? Hello. Long talk, no time. (laughs) What's up, David? You know, I mean, as a matter of principle, I understand and respect the fact that that they have the right to negotiate and and they do not have to get by any means are not required to yield or give in to any public pressure. 
I mean, it's their life. It's their, and I understand that, and I respect it, just like if teachers or anybody else goes on strike. It's unfortunate, and it's horrible, and it, but uh, it's unfortunate. It's not horrible. It's unfortunate. Um, but what, what's ridiculous is that it seems, first of all, it seems every time that a collective bargaining agreement goes up, they, some, they, what was the last time when things went smoothly? They had a smooth transition from one from one um, from CBA the to the other. One, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's just, you know, they're just having a pissing contest. And uh, I mean, they have their egos are in the way. They won't even they won't even allow allow any mediation. I mean, it's a, it's a game of chicken. Who's who's going to blink first? And it's just it, it's ridiculous. It's just it's asinine. And and uh, I mean, just you know, it's almost like you should just lock them in a in a hotel room and don't let them come out and don't give them anything to eat or drink and and just almost waterboard them until they come out with an answer. Well, that would be a crime. Uh, David. The, That's why they can't do that. That would be a crime. Okay. It's a, it's a crime what they're doing right now. So, and I mean, it's just, it, it's pathetic. Every year, every, every time, like I just said, there's a new bargaining agreement. They, they always go on either strike or So David, hold on. Can I ask you other. a question? So when you, this, uh, your tactic here to get the baseball season back, do you want to waterboard the players and the owners, or just the players, or just the owners, or just Manfred, like, or everybody? Everybody. Wow. All of them. Wow. Yeah. I mean, hey, what was your Celtics point, David? My Celtics, you know, I, I admit, all right, I, I, this was the first game all season that I watched as much as the last fourth quarter. I watched a whole quarter tonight for the first time all season. And what happens? They blow it. You know, I mean, but I will say they are playing much more. I mean, regardless of the results, they are playing more intelligently, I think. I thought you only watched one um, quarter. Well, I've been been watching highlights and, Oh. And I've been reading the box scores, and I mean they are playing more intelligently it seems, and um, and maybe maybe they, they they will become a little uh a little less insufferable. Um, <laughs> All right, David, good stuff. I appreciate David. I appreciate the call tonight. Thank you for the call. He says the Celtics will become a little bit more insufferable after they has ended. <laughs> after they won, after they won nine games in a row, and he's only seen one quarter, and that was tonight. <laughs> okay, that seems to be going around in this town. Yeah, you watch one quarter of one game in one month, and you make your assumption, and then a month later you go, oh, well, you are know, it's good. Yeah, you know what's going to happen tomorrow, Matt? It'll happen on this radio station. It'll happen Probably. all over town. You know what's going to happen is told you can't trust the Celtics. They lost it. They lost to the Pistons. How can you trust them? Told you, not buying in. That's what's going to happen tomorrow, I can tell you. See, here's another issue that happens here locally as it pertains to the Celtics is people don't watch other teams, so they just assume, like, these other teams are juggernauts. Like, I heard today people talking about Chicago, like they're some unbeatable team. Well, first of all, their best players hurt. I guess technically their second best player based on the year because of DeMar DeRozan. And people don't realize that their defense sucks, and they just point to the fact, oh, let's look at the record. It's 38-21. and 21. Well, yeah, they're 38-21. and 21. Great. They won a lot of close games earlier on in the season. 
Well, do you know where they rank in terms of their net rating on the season? It's nowhere near the Celtics. They're actually 11th in the NBA net rating. 2.0 net rating. The Celtics are 5.4. So the Celtics have been better on a per-possession basis than the Bulls. Yet people just look at the number with the Bulls, the record, and look, and they say, oh, they're first in the Eastern Conference. That means that the Bulls must be really good. And I guarantee you that these people today that are talking about the Bulls, they don't even realize that the Bulls have an all-star player that's injured right now in Zach Levine. And there is concern around his injury right now. But people just want to look at their record and generate a take off their record after probably not seeing him play more than like twice this season. But anyway, getting back to my, oh, I want to get to the patch for a second here. So real quickly, and I'll get into this in greater detail in just a little bit, but just to open it up, I, I just keep thinking about the coaching staff and the turnover on the coaching staff and especially the offensive side, because I do feel like on the defensive side of the ball, I'm not as concerned. Now I know people were aggravated and frustrated with the way things went at the end of the season with, the whole thing, well, is Steve Belichick the play caller? Well, Steve Belichick's the play caller, but Gerard Mayo is running the meetings. Like, I understand all that in terms of the concern level there. But I would say Bill's always in charge of the defense in some aspect, right? And it really feels like they always have a good defensive brain trust, if you will, whether it be back at the original dynasty with Romeo Cornell. And then I know Patricia lost his damn mind in Detroit, but he was pretty good at the gig. Mangini was good at the gig before Patricia. And Brian Flores was exceptional at the gig. So I feel like they'll figure it out from a defensive standpoint. But where I'm really concerned is on the defensive side of the ball, or excuse me, on the offensive side of the ball, with right now, I'm not saying I'm concerned that Mick Lombardi left, but I'm concerned with the fact that Joe Judge seems to be sort of the highest-ranking member on the offensive side of the staff. And I know Kaylee's still on the staff and all that, but that to me is a bit concerning. And I feel like what Bill Belichick has to do is take a page out of Sean McVay's book. And I'll explain next here on EEI. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast after the end of a good fight you deserve an ice cold reward medela is the mark of a fighter you've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight the better the reward you put in the hours 
the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, back in. So I want to get back to the Patriots here for a second. So my thought on Belichick in terms of the offense, this is what's interesting to me. And this is where I say I believe that Bill should take a page out of Sean McVay's book. So Sean McVay, of course, Super Bowl winning coach. We'll see if he comes back. He's contemplating retirement, of course, although there were some indications today at the parade that him and both Aaron Donald are coming back. And by the way, Aaron Donald's now at the Lakers game. What a day for that guy. They've been drinking all day. Then he shows up at the Lakers game. Oh, man. That must be the life. You win a Super Bowl. You're arguably the best defensive player of all time. And then you show up at the Lakers game tonight. By the way, that guy for a defensive lineman is absolutely yoked. Like, he looks like a linebacker in terms of the guy's like ripped and he's a defensive tackle. Unbelievable. But nonetheless, so if you look at what Sean McVay did. So his first year, and remember, what did he took that job when he was 32 or 33, whatever it was, 36 right now, maybe even younger than that. So the point being, he took that job in his early 30s. We all knew that Sean McVay was out of that Shanahan coaching tree. He was an offensive-minded coach. He was going to be the play caller when he got to Los Angeles to coach the Rams. So Sean McVay was in a position where he said, all right, I'm going to have to handle the whole offense. I got to put my whole system in. I need a veteran defensive coordinator. So when he gets there, he gets Wade Phillips. Wade Phillips, who he had never worked with before in his life, but Wade Phillips was a proven commodity in the NFL. He was a Super Bowl-winning defensive coordinator, of course, with the Denver Broncos. So it made sense. So, And remember, you can think back to those early days of Sean McVay. Remember when he wouldn't even be, like, Near the sideline, he'd be coaching the offense on the side. He'd be sitting on, like, a water cooler. He used to do that, like, his first year with the Rams. But anyway, he let Wade Phillips handle the entirety of the defense. So it made sense. you got to get a veteran defensive mind in there. So the problem was Wade Phillips didn't quite work out with Los Angeles the way he worked out with Denver. In 17, they were 12th in points per game against, of course. 18, they were 20th. And they got to the Super Bowl that year. But that was because of the offense, not the defense. Now, the defense was good in terms of the Super Bowl. They were really good against the Patriots. But then in 19, they were 17th in points per game. So Sean McVay decides, okay, I need a change defensively. So he fires Wade Phillips, which remember at the time, when they did that in 2019, the Rams were criticized for making that move because this is Wade Phillips, unbelievable defensive mind, right? And you're firing that guy. But the reason Sean McVay did that is because he was watching games at times, and he saw that that Vic Vangio defense has taken over the NFL. And that Vic Vangio defense is the defense that really slowed down Pat Mahomes. Like that Vic Vangio with the Broncos this year, that's like the first time that Mahomes, they kind of slowed him down, the two deep looks. And that's what the Bengals went to. That's what the Bengals were doing in the AFC title game, right? So Sean McVay, a couple of years ago, says, I need that type of defense, right? 
So, by the way, Vangio's final year in Chicago is the D.C. first in points. Then he goes to Denver. And when he goes to Denver, he has this guy by the name of Brandon Staley underneath him. Brandon Staley was working as their outside linebackers coach, 38 years old. Sean McVay sees a young and up-and-coming coach with the Vic Fangio system. So he makes a change where he says, okay, I'm going to let him completely handle the defense. But he goes after the scheme, right? So his first two hires, first one you go with Wade Phillips, then you go with Vic Van- then excuse me, you go with Brandon Staley, who's off the Vangio tree. And then after Staley gets a head coaching position, McVay wants to run a similar defense, but he needs to bring somebody else in. So, yeah, he worked previously with Raheem Morris when he was young in Washington, but he hadn't worked with him in a couple of years. I mean, more than a couple of years. Raheem Morris was with the Atlanta franchise from like 15 to 20. So he brings in another guy that has been a head coach in the NFL, like Wade Phillips was a head coach, head coach of the NFL that has also been a defensive coordinator to run the defense. So all three guys, well, the first one, Wade Phillips, proven commodity. The third one, Raheem Morris, proven commodity. Staley wanted the scheme, and he was an up-and-coming guy under Vangio. So all three of those were big-time hires for Sean McVay on the opposite side of the ball that he specializes in. I look at a guy like Sean McDermott, defensive-minded coach, right? What does he do immediately when he gets to Buffalo? He hires Brian Dayball, who won a national championship as an offensive coordinator at Alabama in 2017. Remember, they beat Deshaun Watson in that crazy game the next year. Watson will win. But nonetheless, they hired Dayball, who had had a bunch of different coaching experiences, coached with the Patriots, of course, for a while. But he ran a college-style offense with Alabama, of course, with a lot of RPOs, a lot of play action. And they say, okay, let's bring in Brian Dayball because we get a young quarterback in Josh Allen. And... They end up, of course, drafting Josh Allen, and the rest is history. But he says, I need somebody to handle the offense. Then you look at what they did this year. Yeah, they promote Ken Dorsey off their staff, but they bring in a guy like Joe Brady, who has experience as a collegiate coach. So if the Dorsey thing doesn't work out, they have Joe Brady in the building. So that's Sean McDermott on the defensive side of the ball. Says, I got to get guys that can run my offense. So we see both things here. McVay goes outside of the family Not once, not twice, but three times, okay? He goes outside and he gets defensive coordinators. Wade Phillips, Brandon Staley, Raheem Morris. You look at a guy like Sean McDermott, he gets Dayball, who they had never coached together in the past. He gets him from Alabama. And now a couple of years later, yeah, they give Ken Dorsey a promotion, probably deserves it. He may work out to be a great offensive coordinator, but they also bring in Joe Brady outside of the organization to get new looks at an offense that's really good. You bring in Joe Brady, who you're saying, okay, we can even have a better offense, and Brady puts his spin on it as well, along with Ken Dorsey. So that's what sort of aggravates me about Bill. I'm fine with the defense in terms of, all right, they'll figure it out with Gerard Mayo and Steve Belichick. But what I just can't get over is Bill's approach to the offensive side of the football. You don't really have an in-house candidate, unless you really think that's Kaylee. But if that's the case, why did Joe Judge come back as this offensive assistant, if you will? So that's where I kind of look at what Bill needs to do. Even Gary Kubiak in 15 hired Wade Phillips to be his DC. I'm not hiring Wade Phillips. I'm just pointing out the fact that all these other guys went outside their organizations to say, okay, Gary Kubiak, I'm an offensive-minded coach. I'm going to call the plays. I need a defensive specialist. Give me Wade Phillips. Sean McVay. I'm going to coach the offense. I know I'm young and upcoming in this league. I need defensive-minded coaches. Give me Wade Phillips. Give me Brandon Staley. Give me Raheem Morris. They can handle the defense. Sean McDermott, defensive-minded coach like Bill Belichick. I need an offensive mind. Let me get Brian Dayball. 
He'll run my offense. This is not my specialty. This is Brian Dayball's specialty. I'll let him handle that. Sean McDermott this offseason. Well, we lost Brian Dayball, who's an exceptional offensive mind. So, yeah, we're going to promote Ken Dorsey, but let's make sure we have other people on this staff that are capable of doing that role if Dorsey doesn't work out. So let's bring in a guy like Joe Brady. And that's where I keep coming back to this issue with Bill is unless something happens over the next couple of weeks, he is not doing what he should be doing to address his coaching staff. He has enough to handle on the defensive side of the football. He needs somebody that can come into this organization like Josh did and just handle the entire offense. And it feels like now, the Bill O'Brien thing, it's late in the game, but it feels like it's more imperative than ever that he gets that guy. Thanks to Matt Duran for producing. I'm back with you tomorrow. Have a great night, everybody. Be safe and be well. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.